0: of luke um, chapter 12 this is kind of begin to be a a a main text of ours luke chapter 12 we've been talking about the switch of faith now faith works the same in every arena every arena and so it's it's good to see what we're going to be seeing but understand i don't care what you're going through begin to put your faith out there begin to believe god now when we we can be taught the principles we can be taught the, the laws of the kingdom, but until I start to walk them out, they're not going to do me any good. I I can know Scripture. I can know the Word of God, but just by knowing them doesn't do me no good. i got to start acting on them, and I not only do I have to act on them, listen real close, i got to start getting over in faith where when I see the promises, not only do I obey, I believe I receive I say, this is what my father's words, I'm going to believe I receive this. That's that's Mark 11:24. He says, you know, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Believe. How many of you have prayed before and you've prayed with the, I hope so, I got my fingers crossed. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, that, that type of prayer doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for you. I've got to get to the point where I locate my faith. And there's no reason for us to pray. I heard this, this minister say that he had a lady in his church who had come up to him and asked for prayer. And he knew she wasn't in faith, so he said, listen, I'm going to give you about five scriptures. I want you to meditate on them. Get these on the inside of you. Why? Faith comes by hearing. He knew she didn't have faith. So when we don't have faith and we go ahead and pray, all we're doing is praying an empty prayer. I hope so. So he told her, come back. And so she came back in a few weeks. And he said, are you ready for me to pray for you? And she said, yeah. And to locate her faith, he said, so tell me what's going to happen when I pray for you? And she said, I'm going to be healed. And he said, how do you know you're going to be healed? And she said, because the word says so. Because the word, and see, that's how every one of us have got to get. Faith is a byproduct of the word, and so I got to get that word in me and understand. When I start getting the word in me, woo, it'll stir you up. So listen, it's not bad to look at times and say, "I just don't have the faith." I just don't have the faith. That's okay. How do you get faith? Getting the word. Getting the word. Now here we are again in in Luke twelve. Let's review just real briefly here to kind of get the flavor of where we're at again. Luke 12, verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. You know, that thought right there, a lot of times we'd say, well, that's easy for you to say, Jesus. Don't worry about your life. But why would he tell you that? Don't worry about what you're going to eat or your body. What, will you or what you're going to put on. So he's telling us about There's a way to have provision where I don't have to live worrying. Well, what is that? Verse 31. But seek the kingdom of God first. Why? That all these things shall be added to you. And you can go back there and look in all those verses. What he's talking about is provision. The things that you need to make it in life. Do not fear little flock. Now, once again, my thought on the thing when he says little flock is I believe he's even telling us that few will ever get this. Few will ever get it. Now, he didn't say it's impossible, but I believe few will ever get it. Now, think about this as a believer. I think for each of us, maybe the greatest struggle we ever have, we all struggle in areas of sin, but the greatest struggle beyond that many times is that in finances or money. We struggle and we struggle. Have you been there, Pastor? I did, where I had more month than money. And so I believe he's saying this here, that few ever get this one. When I try to do things in life man's ways, I get man's results. Now, you can do a man's ways, but you're not going to get God results. In order to get God results, you got to do it God's way. And so right here, he, he gives us a little insight. Got to listen. Few, few, few. Now, I hope this stirs you up and challenges you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, some of us need to really get that on the inside. It's God's good pleasure. It's God's delight to bless us. And some of you saying, well, I wish you'd get busy. Well, you know what he's fixing to tell us? Here's the key how you tap into the kingdom. Sell what you have and give. Give, give, give. And when I become a giver, I invest into the kingdom. Now here's a point I want to really, really emphasize tonight. And you may hear me say this several times. To be a giver takes great faith and great courage. It's one of the greatest areas in my life... That really, really, really used to stretch me. I mean, when I started reading these scriptures, it would twist me. I'd say, there's no way I can give. I don't have nothing to give. But even right now, this is where the Lord is moving me to again. He is stretching me again in this area. In other words, God doesn't want me to get comfortable. He wants to keep stretching me. So what have you done? And I've started upping my giving. I've upped and upped and up. Now... With some of these words here in this passage right here, I want you to remember, he said, seek first the kingdom. I want you to remember what he said, don't fear, don't fear. And I want you to remember, give. Now with those thoughts, go with me back into the Old Testament to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Now last week, if you were here, we talked about an area called the measure. What's the measure? Luke 6.38, at the end of that verse, it says, with the measure that you give, it'll be measured back to you. Now, we talked about the measure, and many times in our life, we think the measure has to be this massive gift, just huge in quantity. But guys, the measure is not in quantity, the measure is in quality. And so I like to call the measure... The sacrifice. Is there a sacrifice for you to give? And that really, really, really will begin to locate you. Where are you getting that at, Pastor? Well, Luke 21. Remember when Jesus watched how they gave? The rich came in and they gave out of their abundance. You know what that is? It didn't move them a bit to give. Actually, they wouldn't even miss it. But this one poor lady comes in and gives... This little, 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 little amount in humans' eyes. And remember Jesus' remark? She's given more than all of them. What was it? The measure she gave was a huge sacrifice. Huge sacrifice. Now, here we are in 1 Kings 17. And this is a passage here where Elijah, the prophet of God, he proclaims a fast i mean he proclaims a drought now there's some interesting things and i just want to read just a little bit to the to the, tonight starting in verse 1 and i'm going to stop there real quick and then we're going to jump and elijah the tishbite now i've i've heard of that many times elijah the tishbite and there's things sometimes in our life that we hear and i think tishbite what in the world is a tishbite well just out of my curiosity this week, I thought, i got to find out what that is. I went back, and the word Tishbite uh, has a reference to repent and return. Now, as I read that, think about this. There was a drought in their land, and anytime time in the Old Testament that God wanted to get people's attention, he normally, there was a squeeze on their their water. Over and over, I would see that. I look right now, and I saw a map in the United States, and it's either 23 or 25 states in our nation right now are in drought. And as I read this, this is what began to trigger me. I thought, does there need to be repentance and return in our land? I do believe so, guys, I really do. Over and over in the Bible, you'll see where history will repeat itself. So that's just the thought. I think we really got to pray, guys, for our nation. That that it becomes a nation that repents and returns to the things of God. Even us, where we have a passion for God, where we come in here on Wednesday nights, we come in here on our Sunday mornings, I don't want to just come to church. You know what my thought is now? I need something from heaven. I need something from heaven tonight to come in here and put some Faith in me to stir me. How, somebody, how many of you need something from heaven tonight? Man, if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar, liar, pants Are all, You all need something from heaven. I'm to, I'm, I'm to the point in my prayer, man, stir me up. And so you're going to see me firing again on all cylinders where, man, I'm just excited about the things of God. Now, back to the story before you get me off. Like I blame you guys. Uh, verse number 8. Let's begin here. Remember, they're in a severe drought. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Saddam, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, as I read this, here's this man, Elijah the prophet. And they're in a drought. It's a difficult time. And the Lord said, go to Zarephath and I'm going to provide a, or I'm going to get a widow to provide for you. And as I begin to look at that, I thought, now, that doesn't make any sense. A widow? It would probably be the last one that you would think God would tell him, this is who I'm going to get. And so this begins to, to cure... Um, My curiosity, begins to rise it up because this woman was destitute. This woman didn't have anything. So the thought was this, why would God use a widow in this situation like this? Well, Isaiah 55, 8 says this, that God's thoughts aren't our thoughts and God's ways aren't our ways. How many of you ever figured out God's ways aren't our ways? Even in the area of giving, you say, now it doesn't make sense, Father God, for us to give what we got, but yet you're going to bless it. So once again, I've got to get the mindset. God's ways aren't my ways, but God does know best. He knows what's going on. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. I believe in this passage, the Scriptures are telling us that God wants to bless anyone Everyone, no matter how good, how bad, how little or how much you have. And I think here he's using this woman who has nothing to show us. The kingdom will work for you. Now, let's read on here. Verse 10. So Elijah rose and he went to Zarephath. Now, you know what's interesting about that? He didn't question God. He just did it. He just obeyed. And, and in my life, when I just heed the things of God, and I just start acting, I start doing them, instead of start just do it. Just, you know the old Nike commercial? Just do it. I think that's where we got to get with the word of God. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, I'm going to stop right there. As she was going to get it, she didn't question him at all. If you'll notice here, she didn't say, hey, buddy, who died and left you in charge? Now, this is important for us to understand because this is how Elijah knew this was the right woman. When he asked her first just to get me a drink and she was obedient... He knew, this is the one. I got the right one. So, verse 11. She was going to get it. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of the bread in your hand. Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now look at her reply in verse 12. So she said, as the Lord God lives. Now at this time, guys, She didn't know that this man was the prophet. She did recognize that he was a man of God. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only, 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 and once again, that only is going to clarify here. I don't have enough. Or what I do have is insignificant. And so she says something here. I only have a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks. Now, notice there the three words that she uses to describe. She says, only a little, only a handful, and only a couple. So once again right here, what you begin to see is, She doesn't think she's got anything to give that's of any significance. Now, once again, think about the measure. The measure. Anytime I give, it becomes a huge, huge sacrifice. And so she goes on to say, I'm going to gather these couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and for my son that we may eat it and die. This is it. This is truly the Last Supper for her. Now, many believe that her son would be the future prophet, Jonas, who this was. Now, this woman right here, she has no hope. She's saying, this is it. We're going to eat this, and we're going to die. Now, the focus is I either look at what I have or what I don't have. And many times we lean to, I don't have anything. I don't have nothing to give. I've been there. I've said that out of my mouth. Now, when she says all this, look at Elijah's response in verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Now, I told you to remember those words back in Luke 12. Remember what Jesus said? Do not fear. Do not fear. And I believe one of the reasons he's telling her do not fear here is because what he's fixing to tell her. He's getting ready to tell her, listen, darling, don't freak out on what I'm fixing to tell you. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Now think back into Luke 12. Seek what? First the kingdom of God. Now this goes very much hand in hand with what Jesus said in Luke 12. So he said here, first, give it to me first. Now when she, or he said that, I wonder if she thought, you gotta be kidding. You've gotta be kidding. Now how many of us, when we haven't had much, when we heard the scriptures give to God first, how many of you have ever thought or said, you gotta be kidding? You've got, I've said that stuff. There is no way, Lord. That can't happen. And so right here he says, give it to me first and bring it to me. And bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. So Elijah right here, when he tells this woman to give him the last of her food, it appears selfish. It appears arrogant. Put me first. But in reality, you know what he was teaching her? This is how the kingdom of God operates. This is how the kingdom of God functions. And when I take it and I give it, it changes hands. The law of legality. When I give it, once again, the Lord will begin to to bless it. Now, Elijah knew this, I believe, that if God had designated this woman to take care of him, God's also going to give her the resources to provide. However, this is big. The blessing would be determined by what she did with what she had. She had two choices. She could give or she could eat her blessing. How many of you have ever eaten your blessing? Oh, Oh, I've done it. I've done it. And so right here, Elijah. Nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So what he's saying here? You're not going to lack, even in drought. You're not going to lack, even in this economy. But you got to obey. you got to give. you got to put the kingdom first. Even when it doesn't make sense. And this is what I'm talking about. Great faith and great courage. To step out and say, I'm going to honor you, Father. I don't understand it, but I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to be going to do this. And so verse 15, and I want you to see what ends up happening here. So she went away and did. She went away and obeyed. She didn't get out her list of excuses. Fifty reasons why she didn't, she couldn't do it. She didn't even look at it. And this is a good one, what believers say. I'm going to pray about that. Now, why do you got to pray about it? He's told us what to do. We either do it or we don't. And so this is powerful, that she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. Listen, if she wouldn't obeyed, it would have been death. Obedience in this life kicked the switch of faith. But not only just obedience, guys, she stepped out and she believed the words that Elijah had spoken that God had given her. See, this is what faith is based on once again. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. And as long as I keep focused on the Word of God, God's going to move. God's going to help me. God's going to assist me. Look look with me. I'm going to skip here. Go back to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Now I've said this a couple times already. Faith is a byproduct of the word of God. So what happened when she gave? It changed allegiance. It changed kingdoms. And God blessed it. See, her giving allowed God to move in his life. And you think back to what we said there in Luke 12. He said, give and I'm going to take care of you. Even though this may not make sense in our minds. Now, you know what the measure can be? You want a big harvest? You got to have a big seed. And you know what a big seed is? It's a big sacrifice. That's how it is. When it starts stretching you and gets you out of your comfort zone. And we saw this with this woman, with the woman at Zarephath. She had to get out of her comfort zone. We saw that last week in Luke 21. Now, I told you some little things about my own life, guys. The Lord, had, and, and I, I had purposed in my heart to give in a situation. I told Shelly, this is what I'm going to do. I'd purposed, guys, I knew in my heart, and I was happy about it. I said, I can't wait. But this is what I said. I'm going to give in this area once her car was sold. And the Lord said to me, listen, buddy, you got it backwards. You give, and then I'll sell her car. And it began to twist me, and I said, wait, 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 Lord. No, 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 no. You give, and then I'll sell her car. And so once again, what the Lord did with me, He began to stretch me. He began to say, okay, buddy, you're going to sacrifice here. Big harvest, big gift big gift and so listen i'm not preaching anything that i don't do and so the lord began to deal with me the lord began to deal with me and i don't want you to think oh he's telling this to say how mighty he is but what was going on here is there was a young man in the church who who had asked me about my pickup and you know when he asked me about it i said to him i said it's not for sale well after i left the lord began to deal with my heart right then And he said, you'll, you'll never sell him that pickup, but you will give it to him. And so it began to stir me up. And I thought, okay. Okay. So my wife's car's for sale. And so what I said all along, so that I would have transportation, I said, Lord, you sell her car and I'll give it. But in my heart, I'd already purposed. I said, I'm going to do it. I can't wait to do it. But the Lord kept saying to me, you got it backwards. Just like the woman with in Zarephath here, he said, you give. And then, this flower and everything you're going to need is going to be open. So I knew, I knew, I knew in my heart, if I told Shelly this is what the Lord was going to say, this is what the Lord was saying to me, she would say, let's go over there and give it to Him. So I was kind of hesitant. And the Lord kept dealing with me, and so I walked back in and I said to her, I said, this is what the Lord spoken to my heart. She said, yep, that's what we got to do. And so we went home and cleaned it up and we took it and we gave it. Listen, a sign of a, of a giver is cheerfully. I rejoiced at the opportunity. I didn't pout and cry. And so I gave it. And so then my thought was this, Lord, I'm pickupless. But you said, if I would give and I would sow. So did it stretch? Yeah, it stretched me. Would it stretch you? How How have you been giving away cars lately? And so it stretched me. But it was a good stretch. I enjoyed doing it. I liked it so much that this is going to happen more and more in my life. So, what begins to happen here, guys? i got to stand on the Word, and I've got to stand on the Word, and I keep standing on the Word. Galatians 6. I believe this is going to help some of you tonight. Verse 7, famous passage. Do not be deceived. Do not be misled. In Swannix, my translation is, don't kid yourself. What he goes on to say. God is not mocked. God will not be made full of. For whatever, whatever, whatever a man sows, he will reap. Now what we must understand is, remember, the the law of sowing and reaping applies to every one of us. Every one of us. So we have the opportunity to sow and to reap. Remember, God doesn't look at quantity. He looks at what you got. And I'm either going to do it God's way... I'm gonna do it man's ways. You keep doing it man's ways, you're gonna get man's results. Jump to verse nine, the same chapter. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we don't lose heart in due season. Now many times I don't like that word due season, and I'm in that stage right now of due season. I don't know when it's gonna happen in my life. But I know God's moving, and I know God's moving. So listen, what do we do from the time we sow the seed until we get blessed? I believe the first thing we need to do is refuse to become discouraged. Don't let discouragement come in. Don't have the thoughts, crud, I should have never done it. Don't let discouragement come in. What do I got to do? There were times in David's life, King David, that it would say, He encouraged himself in the Lord. How do you think he encouraged himself in the Lord? I believe he began to talk about God's faithfulness. I believe he began to say, Oh, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is the glory and the lifter of my head. The Lord is faithful. The Father, you said, Lord, if I'd give... And he just kept saying what God said. Don't allow discouragement to come in. Number two is determined to keep your faith alive and active. How do I keep my faith alive and active? Well... How is your faith manifested? Two ways. Your actions and your words. Oh, crud, your words. Absolutely. Many times you want to locate your faith, just listen to what's coming out of your mouth. We never have enough. We sowed that, but we never have enough. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. We shouldn't have gave the pickup away. I knew we shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have done, we shouldn't have not honored God this month. See, what we got to do is keep our faith active, and you gotta do what mama said. Mama said, if you can't say anything good, keep your mouth shut. Well, it's kind of like that in the kingdom of God. My mouth has got to stay lined up with the word of God. Keep speaking by faith. What am I speaking? Mark eleven twenty three says, Whosoever shall say unto the mountains, start speaking to the mountains, and remember this. Don't talk about how big the mountains are. Tell the mountains how big God is. Big. And the third one right here is keep on giving and keep on giving and give and have this, an attitude of expectancy. When I give, I should have an attitude of expectancy because you know what? The Word of God works. What do you mean by having a, a, an attitude of an expectancy? I'll tell you guys right now. When I started sowing seed, I would mark my seed envelope and I'd take it in there. And, and one day that Ms. Ramon and Matt were counting the tithes and offerings, and I wrote on that seed envelope and I threw it down and I said, here's some seed that I'm sowing right now. And I said, you know why? God's moving in my life. Some things are happening. And so I called the guy who's selling my car, and I said, listen, Randy, I said, get ready. And he said, why, Pastor? And I said, because that car's fixing to sell. And he said, you know someone who's coming? And I said, yep, they're coming. The right person. And he said, tell me what you're standing on. I said, you got your Bible, and he's a believer. I said, get it out. And right there on the phone, I said, open to Luke 12. And I said, this is what's happening. I said, Randy, the angels are moving, they're at work, they're sending the right person. That car is going to be a blessing for someone. I've laid hands on that. That's a blessed car right there. And so he said, okay. Okay. And so that's where we got. we got to have that attitude of expectancy. But also, listen, there is a thing called due season. Wait for it. Wait for it. And due season with God isn't on my timetable. I just stand and every day I say, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for selling that car. Thank you for moving in my life. Thank you, Father God. Because why? He said, in due season, you're going to reap. And so this is an, ever, an, an element of faith because we got to start picking up. We got to start picking up and start getting a hold of it. And when I do, just hold fast to this. And some of you said, man, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 30 years ago when I started walking this out, oh my God, it was a step of faith for me, big time. But I am beginning to dip in and to dive in and go and stuff and see things happen. And man, I'm thinking big. I'm believing big. And you know what? To think big, to believe big, but you also got to start sowing big and say, okay, okay, Lord, here we go. And so just look at everything. God wants to bless me. He wants to use me, but I gotta start hooking up. I gotta start hooking up. So don't sit here and say, I don't have anything. Or what I have is insignificant. It's not, no, I can't get to that. Stand up here with me. I just gotta start trusting God and start trusting the word of God and living like this. Now, we are beginning to funnel down in this and what I mean on this, I gotta.